If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Health Theory. Today's guest is Dr. Mahmoud Ghanoum. Considered one of the world's leading experts on the microbiome, he's published an astounding 400 scientific papers and has been cited by more than 20,000 different papers and other scientists. His work is so foundational to our understanding of the microbiome that he actually coined the term mycobiome, which is probably the perfect place for us to start. So um, Dr. Ghanoum, please walk people through exactly what the microbiome is and how it's different or a piece of the microbiome, I think that'd be really helpful. Great. First uh, of all, I'd like to thank you for having me. It's a great pleasure. So the microbiome, you know, the study of fungus, it's mycology. Okay. That's why we say microbiome, which means it's the fungal community that lives in our body. We know that we have microbes in our skin, in our gut, in our mouth, all over our body. People used to think it's all bacteria. And really, they used to use the term microbiome to refer to bacteria. But in fact, in addition to the bacterial community, we have fungal community, we have viruses, we have parasites. So the fungus there, we call it the microbiome. Yeah, this is something you don't hear a lot of people talk about, but you've got um, obviously um, microbes, you've got fungi, you've got um, phages, which I know virtually nothing about, and you've got viruses, um, which sound bad. So it'd be <laughs> really interesting to, to begin to understand um, what role each of them play, how they're working in harmony, and then obviously we'll get into dysbiosis, where it all goes wrong, and then it'd be great to talk about how we you know, get ourselves into an ideal state. Yeah, I think you bring really very important point because people sometimes think that these microbes living in our gut, they live alone. In fact, they are like in a sandbox where kids come together and they start to play. So that's exactly what happens between bacteria and fungus. They come work together to our good or our bad. When they are in harmony, we have good health. While if they become fighting together in a way, then you have a number of health issues and conditions. So in a way, we need to look at the microbiome as totality because all of these organisms, like a garden, they live together there and they interact. And as I mentioned, when they are in a good uh, good friendship, good, you can get along with people, you help us, and if not, we are in trouble. Yeah, so seven-ish years ago, let's say, I didn't, I didn't even know the word microbiome. I had never heard of it. I had no sense um, of what it was. And then my wife went through a very profound um, state of dysbiosis. Of course, we didn't know what it was. We didn't know it was dysbiosis. It was really crazy. And through all of this, um, it was really hard to wrap my head around what's going on. And I think that uh, an analogy perhaps that will help people enter this is once you realize that a forest, like a real forest, is sure. below the ground communicating and sharing resources and withholding resources, treating their own offspring one way, um, responding to something maybe a far afield in the forest um, like a, a fungal overgrowth or something by sending sort of toxins that way. When I started hearing about that, 
it's easy for me to understand it at that macro level where I can imagine the root system. I can imagine the biology of it, if that makes sense. And when I started thinking about, okay, in our gut, it's happening at, at a microscopic level, but is the analogy of the forest communicating under the soil, is that pretty accurate for what's going on in our gut? I really like that analogy. I try to sometimes use the garden in our uh, backyard, but it's exactly the same. Because if you think about it, as you said, we see that bacteria and fungus, they help the roots of a, of a plant, which really allows it to, to have more nutrients and make it grow and give us all the shade we need. Okay, so, so that's the same exactly what happened in our gut. These organisms, they work together. And there are beneficial organisms, such as, let's say, in bacteria, lactobacillus. And there are bad organisms. And for this example, I'm going to give you the candida, which is a fungus. The good thing about lactobacillus, it keeps candida under control. Okay, so that's why what we would like to do in the garden or in the forest, for that matter, is try to encourage the growth of the good microbes and try to inhibit the bad microbes. Otherwise, we'll start to have rust and smut and other plant diseases which you see in the forest. All right. So I want to keep going with this analogy because one thing I've found in my life is once I can imagine the process, the biology of it, I can begin to make far wiser choices because I understand the, the chain of cause and effect. So I'd really like to understand better um, at a simplified level, if you had to assign percentages when we're digesting food, how much of it is the body itself is producing enzymes or whatever, and how much of it is the, um, the garden or the forest of our uh, bacteria, uh, fungi, phages, viruses, like that interplay, they're working together. So that um, if I had to just swing a guess, I would say we're probably in like a an 80-20 or a 90-10 split where your body's doing really very little and then the the garden is doing the rest. Is that pretty accurate? You know, in a way, it depends of what you on what you are defining. If we are talking about, let's say, we eat something, okay, such as sugar, for example. Our body tries to break it down and this sort of thing. However, the microbes, such as fungus, start to use it and overgrow. But really, when you think about it, what's nice about the bacteria and the fungus in our body is that, let's say we take, you eat a fiber, because I always like to encourage the growth of good uh, bacteria and they love fiber and they break it down. Our body does not break it down. So it goes through our intestine down to the large intestine and then start breaking it down. And what they do, they produce these metabolites. I'll give you an example. Short chain fatty acids. It's basically fatty acids with short uh, chains, as it says, you know. And those have been shown to play very important role in supporting our immunity, for example. Also, by breaking down this, this food and producing some of these metabolites, there are a, a large number, as you can imagine, of uh, products are produced, you know. They also can communicate with our brain. Remember, bacteria also can produce vitamins. So in a way, we have a factory of chemical factory, in fact, where we produce all these compounds. Some of them will affect our immune system. Some of them will help our nutrition, like vitamins. Obviously, this is good in nutrient. Now, if we look at these organisms, when they are in harmony, they really are doing good stuff together. Okay. And let me give you an example about this. For when we eat a, a complex carb, let's say, candida breaks it down. And then what it gives, it gives a byproduct. And this byproduct is used by bacteria to produce other byproducts, which can, it's really complete the circle where candida can use. So they work together to, for their benefit and also our benefit when they are good guys. Yeah, that, that to me really begins to clarify why it's so important to 
um, get that harmony right between the different elements of the microbiome. Because once you understand that what you're really uptaking into the body is the byproduct of them, their balance, right? So who's in there? So if one guy is producing something that is not helpful for us and the other species is producing vitamins, for instance, it's like, okay, well, clearly if I have bad producer over here and he's proliferating and I've got my vitamin producer over here and they don't exist, then, or they're, you know, greatly diminished through whatever high stress, um, antibiotic use, you know, whatever yeah. bad diet, whatever the case may be, then it's like, well, the metabolites that are being produced by the chemical factory, like you were talking about, they're producing the wrong thing. And so now I'm getting sick. Now I'm fatigued. Now I have mood disorder. And a lot of what's being produced is um, what I've heard referred to as a signaling molecule. So it, in understanding all of that, for me, it was like, okay, now I can picture why I need to eat certain things, why I need to avoid certain things, because it comes down to what is the the forest or the garden, what is it communicating? So if it's creating not just building blocks, it's also creating communication elements that say, do this, do that, turn this on, turn that off. It's like, whoa, this becomes a very complicated um, symphony. Exactly. I think you bring out a very important point, which is the communication. Before, we always thought that our brain tells us what to do. Now, with the microbiome, we know there is bi-directional communication. It's two-way street here. Our brain can tell our gut, but our gut also can tell our brain. And they influence each other. Okay? So, in a way, that's what's happening. It's not only just producing, as you say, product. It's the signaling which you mentioned. There are, of course, some ways... Uh, where we have cytokines, which some of the immune um, uh, elements, like anti-inflammatory cytokines, they are substances that can either be anti-inflammatory, which means they help our body to fight inflammation, and some of them, when, for example, an organism that produce IL-6 or interleukin-6, this is a bad cytokine because it's associated a lot of the time with inflammation. What I would like to have in my body, I want to feed the good microbes so that they grow and they produce effect on our immune system so that we have more anti-inflammatory cytokines. I don't want to have something like, for example, some organism that can produce, I mentioned, remember, uh, interleukin-6, which is a bad guy, because when this happens, it could affect our brain. We'll start to producing more cortisol also. And of course, having more cortisol, we're going to have more depression, for example. So it's really, I like your view is that it's a complex. It is not a simple way. It's like biology. Biology is always complex. You yeah. Know? So um, let's start at, at birth. You've gotten into some really interesting stuff around um, autism so I encountered not too long ago the idea that the, the microbiome begins to get populated at birth by going through the vaginal canal, and that becomes sort of the, the seeding of this garden. One, I'd love to understand what the research is showing about autism and its link to the microbiome. And then also, what is that chain of events? How do we go from when we're a fetus, is there any microbiome or is it literally zero and then it becomes populated um, as you go through the vaginal canal. How does that work? Yeah, I think before we used to be to think it's zero, but now there are studies to show no. Even when you are there, there is some microbes, and obviously it is not a mature microbiome. You know what I mean? As you come out from the birth canal, you get more, and then as you are fed, for example, breastfeeding and whatever, you add more more variety. And the first few months, you are really building that microbiome. But then after, let's say, six months or something, it becomes more and more stable uh, than when we first start. And the idea that going through the birth canal is really building your microbiome, it's becoming clear because a lot of the time people born with uh, caesarean sections, for example, they don't have the same uh, microbiome as those that are born natural way. 
So it's my understanding that the rate of autism jumps something like 30 percent uh, if you were born via C-section. Is that accurate? You know, you are touching on an area which I just completed a very big study. So what we did, we wanted to look at uh, autistic kids to try to see is there a difference in between their microbiome as well as their siblings compared to their siblings. So we had about 81 subjects, mainly 50 some autistic and the rest their siblings. And we really compared their microbiome, both not only bacteria, but also fungus, because I, you know, I'm a fungi. I like to look at fungus. <laughs> so we found that there is imbalance between the sibling who are healthy and those with autistic. And we found really very interesting uh, data, which I recently presented at the International Center for Autism Research, where we found, for example, the bacteria in autistic kids, they have a reduction in one particular, which is important in breaking down fibers, okay? And that's why most probably these kids really are very fussy about what eating and they have difficulty gastrointestinal issues, like 40%, up to 40% autistic kids have GI issues or gastrointestinal issues, okay? We also found other organisms, uh, not only with bacteria, but with fungus that are different as well. So now what we are trying to do is try to uh, understand how we can balance these organisms, okay? And it's amazing, uh, both bacteria and fungus play a role in these autistic kids. And one factor, which again, I am now currently doing is we found a bacteria that is able to produce biofilms. Biofilms is like the plaque in our teeth is a biofilm. We have what we call digestive plaque, but we found this, this organism really to be also elevated in these uh, autistic kids, you know? That's interesting. I think you're going to have to explain to people why um, biofilms are so potentially dangerous um, because this, you want to talk about something that scares me. Biofilms scare me. So let me tell you, I did a study in 2016. I looked at Crohn's disease patients and we found that they have imbalance in both bacteria and fungus. We found that they have an elevated level of E. coli, Escherichia coli. They have Serratia marcescens, which is also pathogenic bacteria. At the same time, we found that there is an increase of Candida tropicalis. And guess what? We, we are lucky because we have in our lab 30,000 different organisms. So we were able to go get those and put them together, and guess what they did? They formed a big biofilm. So what is the issue with biofilms in our gut? It's similar to plaque in our teeth. But in the gut, when they form this biofilm, it's like a jello, just to make people visualize what it is. It's like a jello, and inside this jello, we have little M&Ms or little raisins, for example. So these raisins and M&Ms are the microbes, whereas the jello is what they produce. They produce a material called matrix, okay? And this matrix, as if it is like, really you can imagine, it is very difficult to get into the raisins because of this matrix. You have to dig in and, and take them. So that's what happens in our gut. They go and on the epithelial cell lining, which you mentioned, they form a thick biofilm. So you, you ask me, so what does that mean? What it means, it covers, first of all, when they are living these bad organisms, E. coli, Serratia, as well as Candida living there, they become protected against antimicrobial agents, against our immune system. They are really bad guys. They're working together to start damage our lining, you know, epithelial cell lining. And then, of course, when they do that, they, we are going to have gastrointestinal issues, which we, of course, Crohn's disease is an excellent uh, example. But in addition to causing this harm, also by covering the epithelial lining, we will not have nutrient absorption. 
as well as an efficient way. So we we'll, we'll start to have you know less nutrients and whatever and all the associated factors. So you can eat but essentially starve to death. Exactly. Yeah, that that was what was happening to my wife. I can't say whether it was um, due to biofilm or not, but man, it was gnarly. Like she was eating and she looked malnourished. Her hair started falling out. Yeah. Her nails were brittle. It was crazy. It was super scary. And this yeah. was, again, this was back. I had to learn about the microbiome specifically because of what she was going through. So it just felt so impossibly complicated. Yeah. Now, one thing, because um, she has improved dramatically, Great. but the thing that I will say I keep in my back pocket because she isn't like a teenager who can eat whatever they want. Like she has to be really careful. careful. She tells me that she still is in sort of a compromised situation. Her garden, too many things have died. There's not enough diversity. So the thing I have in my back pocket is uh, FMT. So the first time I heard about it, I could not believe that fecal microbial transplant was real, that we were quite literally taking the excrement out of one human and putting it into another. Uh, That just struck me as so terrifying. but it, it has shown some real promise. Yes. Where is the state of FMT? How often do you recommend people to try it in um, a clinical setting where they're actually helping somebody? Yeah. I think the most really valuable data we got from uh, FMT is in uh, C. diff, C. difficile, you know, the infection in the gut. And it was amazing. The first time I was in a meeting, scientific meeting, I was listening to a professor from the University of Virginia, and he talked about, he did 76 patients. He transferred them with fecal transplant from donors who are healthy. And lo and behold, they had huge success, you know. So to me, that was really a good proof that by getting the right microbiome, you are going to get rid of those uh, issues. Also, other studies with respect to FMT is, they, you know, a lot of studies in animals where, for example, they took some uh, uh, fecal transplant from a, a slim mouse and gave it to an obese one, and they were able the, to become, the obese become thin again. You know what I mean? So this is fantastic. Now, you ask me a question, where are we with that? And now the trend is, can we get a subset of organisms that we know, like like probiotic type of organisms, that we know they are going to rebalance our gut and help us? And I would say in the coming few years, that would be more the trend than the FMT. When it comes to platforms that will help you run a business, there is no shortage of options on the market. But if you want to use the best, most advanced, and most efficient platform out there, you need to be using Shopify. For whatever and wherever you want to sell, from launching to going international, Shopify is the global commerce platform that will help you grow at every stage of your business. With award-winning customer service, the internet's highest converting checkout page, and a suite of integrated AI tools, Shopify is your all-in-one platform to quickly and efficiently take your business to the next level. I love everything about Shopify because it makes it so easy to start, run, and grow a business. Shopify powers more than 10% of all U.S. e-commerce because businesses that want to grow quickly use Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash impact, all lowercase. Again, go to shopify.com slash impact right now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash impact. In today's highly unpredictable and rapidly changing world, the smartest move you can make from a financial standpoint is to actually understand how money works and how markets move. Because if you want to have any chance of investing your money wisely and growing your financial portfolio, you have to make a profit. And the only way that you're going to do that is either by setting and forgetting or actually understanding what's going on at a macro level. So whether you're a seasoned investor or someone looking for extra guidance, today's sponsor, Yahoo Finance, has got you covered with all the tools, data, and news that you need in one place to grow your knowledge base around what is happening in the world of finance and to make sure that you have the right goals and you're executing well. 
Yahoo Finance makes it easy to consolidate your accounts so you can effectively and efficiently manage your entire portfolio. Personally, I love how straightforward their platform is to use. It is very simple to get the information that I need. And Impact Theory's own chief financial officer is exactly the same, spending time helping me frame exactly what is going on from a global perspective so that I'm making the smartest decisions that I can. I definitely recommend that you check out Yahoo Finance for comprehensive financial news and analysis. Visit the incredible brand that so many great investors use at yahoofinance.com. It's the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Once again, guys, head there now, yahoofinance.com. If getting your hands dirty and taking good care of your car or cars is a passion of yours, then eBay Motors is here for the ride because I'm sure you remember when you first saw the potential in that beauty. And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 thousand miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly with eBay Motors. Brake kits, LED headlights, exhaust kits, turbochargers, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Meaning we're going to go in, isolate the balanced um, grouping of microbes, the whole thing, the microbes, the fungi, the phages, the viruses, and into something that's pure and isolatable, and we're going to give them to people? Is that... Exactly, exactly. And how would we place them in? So if um, FMT, I've heard two ways. One, encapsulated, meaning you actually swallow the tablet. And then two, basically like an endoscopy where you go in and and sort of, I would assume, do they start all the way up at the top of the small intestines? Small intestines, yeah. yeah. What I think is going to happen is a capsule form. But it's not going to have all the organisms that they are going to, uh, that we find in, in somebody who is healthy. What we are going to do is we are going to identify what are the most important organisms that will be able to maintain, if, number one, to rebalance and then maintain our microbiome. So and that's for, for people that don't understand like the difference between, well, that just sounds like a probiotic. So What's the difference between what you're talking about and a probiotic? Even I'm curious because once it is just the isolated um, living organisms, that sounds to me exactly like a probiotic. So what, what's the difference and why? Because the big thing I hear um, the downside of probiotics is that they don't survive digestion. So either they don't survive encapsulation, so they're already dead by the time you take it, or if it survives encapsulation, it doesn't survive digestion and it gets killed in the stomach and doesn't make it to the actual intestines. So what are the complications there and, and So there are two topics. Reason? There are two topics. One topic is what sort of mix we are gonna have. First of all, you are absolutely right. They are like probiotics. The difference, the difference is you are gonna select certain probiotic strains that will do certain functions with the probiotic uh, don't do. Before, probiotic is a Wild West situation, really not a lot of information. Now, the National Institute of Health, for example, is putting what we call RFA, request for applications from scientists so that they can put proposals to try to see, okay, are these probiotic useful, what subset, uh, and this sort of thing. So I think we are going to see a better refinement, even though they will be, after all, we call them probiotic, but they are going to be selected uh, strains that have, that will help us in certain ways. Like, for example, I told you in autistic kids, if they don't break fiber, I don't want to take any old probiotic. I want a probiotic that is able to, like a strain that I would show that it's going to break this fiber. So it's going to be personalized. It means personalized and more targeted. 
to a given situation. That is very interesting. So now let's talk about what would make up that targeting. So my wife's microbiome just decimated. So what would you give her? Would you give it based on the fact that she's Mediterranean or what? Because you've said that people break into basically three camps. Healthy people fall into three types of microbiomes. It isn't, it isn't just every person is completely individualized. There is individuality. But for the most part, people fall into roughly three camps. Would it be just figuring out which of those three camps she should be in? And how do you decide that? This is a really very good question. Why? Because, okay, how do we know? One way now, which was advancement of science and next generation sequencing, we can take a fecal sample and characterize it. We can actually make a profile of a given person. And you are absolutely right. In our studies, we showed that there are at least three different profiles, but with and without fungus, like some, the same profile could be with fungus or without fungus. So you have six in total. So when you, for example, with your wife, if we can take a fecal sample, we can analyze that. And based on that, you will be able to see what sort of dysbiosis, okay? Or what sort of imbalance there. And then based on this, you need to start giving recommendation, nutritional, nutritional recommendations that will improve the growth of this, this guy, which we don't have. Like for example, if you have protobacteria, which is pro-inflammatory or it's a red flag for inflammation, I want to give the person fiber, I want to give them vitamin D3 because this has been shown to reduce that. So you'll start to make, as you say, personalized approaches to the uh, to rebalance your gut. So I want to um, go a little deeper on the timeline for the actual personalized um, sort of probiotic 2.0 or 3.0 um, where we're, we get the fecal sample, we identify where they're at, we identify, and, and I'm not sure how, but we identify what of the roughly six groups they're gonna, they need to fall into. And then we create this cocktail for them that they're gonna take. And look, trust me when I say, I buy into diet 100%, I buy into lifestyle 100%. Um, but you've talked about the fact that diet and lifestyle is a change measured in months or even years. Whereas the mycobiome, the fungi, can be adjusted in 24 hours. And I'm also hopeful that with this cocktail that you're talking about, what, what we'll call probiotics 2.0, um, is faster, right? But I really want to understand, are we, are we 10 years away from probiotics 2.0? Are we 10 months away? I don't think it's 10 months away, but I don't think it's going to be 10 years. I really believe within the uh, five-year period, we should be able to get more. Look, if you think about the, uh, our understanding of the microbiome, it's just been maybe just over 10 years, 10, 15 years, okay? So the first stage, we just wanted to understand what is there. Now, we know also they cause issues. Now we are entering into the future, which is the more exciting and will be more really relevant to a situation like your wife, where we are trying to understand, okay, how can we balance it? What sort of strain do we need? You know, and I am, a, you know, I am an optimistic person, okay. And <laughs> because of this, I think we will reach there within the coming uh, five years. I, I'm sure. So going back to the hot button issue of autism, uh, let's talk about. Is anybody doing um, human experimentation with autism and FMT? And if so, what are the results? You know, this, there are a number of companies that are starting to look at uh, autism. And what they are trying to do is trying to see a subset of strains that are going to work against, against, uh, against them. But they are in clinical trials. They are not completed. But I think, again... I would expect within the coming three years, we will see uh, hopefully uh, some some of these uh, uh, strains are going to work. And when you say work, do you think that you can have a, a partial reduction in symptoms, a total reversal of symptoms? Do you have to catch it by a certain age or does the brain actually develop differently 
Um, what do you think that looks like? I think, like for me, where I am going with autism, I can tell you, because I've been thinking, okay, how can we do a clinical trial so that at the end of it, we learn something which is going to help these kids? And I would like to focus on the gastrointestinal issues. What issues they have? They have constipation, they have bloating. They have... Can we find a set of organisms that are able to help them, number one, digest the food better, number two, rebalance the gut, okay? And what I would like to do, I like two things to do. Number one, I really hope we can get a strain that is able to break down fiber. Also, I hope that we have a, a sub, it's not gonna be one, most probably, a handful, not not too many as well, uh, which can uh, help them with respect to their digestive symptoms. So it it has to work this way. Otherwise, it's really not not worth it. Has anybody looked at? Um, so obviously, the microbiome is wildly involved in neurotransmitters. Um, has anybody looked at autism and the neurotransmitters? So if there's a correlation or causation between the inability to break down fiber and neurotransmitters, like I know that um, short chain fatty acids, for instance, if, if I'm understanding correctly, certainly lower inflammation, which can have tremendous impact on mood. Um, so have people looked at neurotransmitters and autism and, and tried to link that to the microbiome? You know, in autism, it's not as advanced, but I can tell you in Crohn's disease patients, people are looking at it. And in this regard, I was very happy. I got a, a National Institute of Health grant, NIH grant, to study oral uh, interactions between bacteria and fungus in Crohn's disease. And guess what we are doing? Apart from looking at the organisms, we're also looking at the metabolomics, which is the metabolites production. And what we are hoping is uh, we are gonna, going to identify compounds that are, say, elevated in these, in these patients compared to their con uh, control or healthy people. And then that is going to give you a large number of molecules to look at. And, that, and some of them may have neurotransmitter effect, some of them have inflammatory effect, and so on and so forth. Like in our study, for example, just to make it, put it into perspective, when we looked at organisms that when they come together that are pathogenic, they, we found 299 metabolites detected. Wow. Out of these, we found eight that are statistically significant. So now we are going to focus on these eight. Now, do I know what they are, what they do? I hope by the end of the five years. <laughs> but that's where, you know, definitely people are looking at the metabolites. And I think this is the second wave. That's where I believe uh, now we are going to move in that direction. So help me understand the... Um... The microbiome in general is, at a microbial perspective anyway, very hard to um, adjust, but fungi can be adjusted in your book, you say, in 24 hours. Yes. One, why is it so much easier to adjust? And then two, what do we hope or what actually comes out of that adjustment? Yeah. I think when I said this, there was a study before where it looked at what you call by Dr. Hoffman where he looked at short-term diet and long-term diet. And when he compared the bacteria and the fungus, the bacterial community and the fungal community, he found that the fungi is a short-term diet, which means on a short time, it can change, okay? Whereas the bacteria, it, it is more sustainable. It requires long-term diet. And that's really where the first idea came to us. The other thing, why is that, especially if we eat sugar, for example, fungi and the bad guys love sugar and they grow very fast. In a way, they are, you know, they, they are unlike other molds, such as aspergillus or penicillium, which they take, or even dermatophytes, the organisms that infect our nails and hair, nails and skin, they take very long time to grow. 
whereas candida is very fast. It's like bacteria anyway. So that could account for how very quickly you can populate that or you can starve them as well at the same time. Very interesting. So as we make the adjustments, we start eating the right diet, we lower our stress, we start working out all that. Um, what, like the mycobiome, the, the fungus role, what does that control? I think, uh, first of all, there are studies that have shown that the my, uh, my, microbiome play a role in our immunity, for example. And I, I, I remember we gave an example where they secrete or through through uh, they influence the ability uh, to secrete more uh, cytokines. They affect the immune cells to secrete more cytokines. Also, the fungi, if they are overgrow in this biofilm, which I mentioned before, you know, it's so interesting because if you look at candida when it is sort of in a way harmless, it's a yeast form. It's like over little, like we know with baker's yeast, okay? Whereas when it starts to grow, it forms what you call the hyphae. It's like threads. It's like little uh, thin st threads, okay? And this, what they do, they start to break down our gut line. And once you have this breakdown of the gut lining, you are going to have leaky gut. You are going to have a lot, a lot of issues. So... So that's where candida, if it overgrows, is not a good uh, idea. However, I don't want people to go uh, really so nervous about it. 50% of us have candida in our gut, you know? I did a study once with my students many years ago where I wanted to see, do they carry candida in their mouth? So I said, okay, guys, let's do this. This is before I became uh, enlightened about the diet. So I said, listen, I need to take a swap to culture Canada and I'll give you donuts. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, students will, will do that for donuts. They'll do it. So anyway, what, what happened, we found between 50 to 70% of the students has Canada. As long as it is at low level, it's fine. The problem is when it overgrows. In fact, when it is at low, at low level, as I mentioned before, it could help, help us with uh, fermentation, food, food breakdown and this sort of thing. And the reason that the donut is ironic is that candida is able to consume that sugar and grow and proliferate? Yes. Yeah, that's, yes. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. So that brings us into what are your diet and lifestyle recommendations? So for the person that... They, they have some level of dysbiosis, which I would say in a modern context, most people probably do. What, what does as close to perfect as possible look like? Now, I think uh, our diet, has it's a whole food, natural food. It has low in sugar, obviously, because as we've been talking about, we need to have uh, mono and polyunsaturated fats. We don't want, we want to avoid the saturated fats. You need some good lean proteins, for example, uh, from plants. Also from chicken, from fish is really uh, great. I need to have some food like cruciferous vegetables, for example, for anti-inflammatory, antioxidant. These are really, really good. And also we need to have fibers, such as resist resistant starch is very good. Why? Because I want to support the growth of the good bacteria. Because those good guys is like policemen. They keep the other bad guys under control. So that's a, that's really from the dietary point of view. All right. So just walk me through. You're very specific in your book about what people should eat. Um, what would an ideal day look like? What am I having for breakfast? Am I intermittent fasting? Um, am I, you know, the eating one meal a day, three meals a day, eight meals a day? Like, what does sure. that look like? Look, let me let me tell you what I do. <laughs> I really uh, now uh, in the morning, for example, I like oatmeal very much. I love uh, a little bit of honey, not too much because of the sugar, but it's okay. Uh, it's better than refi refined sugar. So my breakfast usually is uh, this way. It's uh, 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 oatmeal, uh, berries, raisins. I have some prunes. 
I, I really like like those. And in the weekend, I enjoy uh, having uh, eggs, like omelette, vegetable omelette, and this sort of thing. Now, during the day when I'm at, at work, I like to have, you know, snacks. I love uh, nuts, especially pistachio. And pistachio, by the way, have been shown to be fantastic with respect to the micro microbiome, better than almond, even though almonds are good, but pistachios are much better. At lunchtime, I tend to have a salad. And, I, you know, I'm from the Mediterranean myself, like your, your, your wife, and I love, I love salad. And I don't want salad to be too complex. People sometimes add too many ingredients to it. I like to be simple, you know, tomato, a cucumber, spring onions, of course, olive oil, you know, and uh, as well as garlic. Garlic, it is fantastic. And I can tell you, I published some work on garlic. You know, it's a very interesting story. If you don't mind, I tell you that. No, please. Okay? I, I know the story. It's amazing. You know, so I was working in Kuwait for many, uh, many years. I was professor at Kuwait University before I came to the U.S. And this Kuwaiti uh, faculty, a friend of mine, he, every morning he comes to me, you have to study garlic. I said, go away. I don't want to study garlic. Every day, he said. But then, you know, he's my friend. I say, okay, I'll study garlic. So I did, and I published three papers on garlic, you know. And this is what brought me to the U.S., where they invited me to give a talk on in the conference called First Congress on the Biology of Garlic. And they wanted me to talk about candida. Of course, I, I, I was studying against candida. And garlic is a fantastic thing. I'm biased in more than one way. <laughs> so what, what happened, I was in England with my family. You know, even though we work in, uh, I, I'm at Kuwait University, uh, I, I came to England. My wife is English, so we go to England every summer. And then Saddam Hussein decided to occupy Kuwait. So overnight, I lost my job. And oh my God, we were just one week of going back to Kuwait, you know, to, the, to work. And the, luckily, I already had my visa for the meeting. And they, I called them. I said, listen, send me the ticket to England. And that's how I came to the U.S. And of course, I had uh, a, a kind man help me, where uh, gave me, uh, you know, changed my ticket and this sort of thing. And then I ended up uh, getting two jobs uh, in one evening. Again, honestly, I know these days we are all uh, a lot of anxiety and whatever. But this tells you a fantastic thing about the U.S. How people help and how other human beings help you make a lot of difference in your life. And that's where my story with garlic. Yeah, it's a, it's a really beautiful story, man. I, I've heard you talk about it a few times and it's super touching that the, the guy was a travel agent, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And you'd yes. asked him for help because you were in DC for the conference, but you now had to stay an extra week, but you had no money. This is, you know, before PayPal and things like that. So there's no way for you to get a hold of any money. So you go to this travel agent who you've never met ever in your life and say, look, I have a friend in Milwaukee, but I have to get back to DC if I'm going to have any hope of getting a job. So can you give me, give me a ticket to Milwaukee and back to DC, which he does out of his own pocket. It's um, unbelievable. It's, yeah. It's really a beautiful story. And I, I know if I'm not mistaken now, you have a scholarship in his name yes. Um, to, yes. to help pay that forward, which I think is really exciting. Yes. Yes, yes, we we went and we met with his family. Unfortunately, he passed away February of last year. It's a year ago now, and it is really sad. But I tell you, when we saw his family, it was fantastic. And it made me feel so happy. And now we hope, as you say, we pay it forward to, to help somebody else. Because, you know, like... I don't know if I will do it now, but you don't know when you are desperate about something. I just went to him. I said, listen, you are a black guy. You have to help me. He said, you don't tell me. What the hell, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> I said, listen, I need help. I, you know, and honest to God, he just did it. It's, it's amazing, you know. But, uh, you know, this is the good part of the human nature, which we always need to think about and celebrate. You know? uh, I love that. And when you say coming to America, you knew there'd be more opportunity and it didn't matter who you were, it just mattered the results that you were able to, to get here in America. 
And um, your life is such extraordinary proof of that. You know, one man's kindness has turned into uh, an exceptional business. Um, Just as I said in the intro, the amount of times that you've been cited, um, 400 papers, 20,000 citations, the the contributions that you've made off of that act of kindness is, is really pretty extraordinary. I tell you, I tell you, that kindness not only changed my life, my family's now alive completely, you know. I We came, uh, when we were in England, I had a little boy, five months. My son, my eldest son, Hafif, he was 10 years, and my daughter, Emma, was seven years. Now they are all grown up, they are all uh, doing well. So, you know, it's amazing. Dr. G, man, thank you so much. This has really been amazing. I want to ask you, um, if people want to connect with you, if they want to get your book, um, where do they go? What's the best place? It's uh, First of all, they can go to drmicrobiome.com, drmicrobiome.com. Uh, that's we have a site where we are helping people to do some of the stuff. Also, totalgutbook.com, and also it's in Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all other places. So I really, really enjoyed talking to you. This is amazing, man. If you were going to have people make one change that would have the biggest positive impact on their health, what change would you have them make? You know, I really would like to cut some of processed food, if you can, cut some of the processed food, because that's where a lot of the food that can help the pro-inflammatory bacteria grow in our gut. So just veer a little bit to more natural food, eat, you know, as I mentioned, I am from Mediterranean, eat some uh, vegetables, eat fruits, and fish, my friend, is fantastic. Amazing. Dr. G, thank you guys so much. Thank you so much. And guys, man, check him out. He's amazing. There's a reason he's been cited as much as he's been cited. Uh, Just an extraordinary thinker who's doing amazing research. Definitely somebody to watch. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes, go to Stitcher, rate and review us. That helps us build this community. And that is what we are all about right now, building this community as big as we can to help as many people as we can deliver as much value as possible. And you guys rating and reviewing really helps with that. All right, guys, thank you again so much. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care.